word of harvest. And there's nothing that comes short in the kingdom of God. We surrender into the hands of the Almighty God. Let Him mend it. Let Him break us. And let, it break us, let, us, let Him break us in a million ways that we will be an answer to somebody. I'm not going to preach from the word uh, a lot today. I have uh, uh, Brother Matthew with us. Um, but this is one thing that I have to mention. Every company that makes locks, they make the lock with a key for it. And every key is designed in a way that it will fit the perfect lock. And when the key enters that locking system, it will open it. And that is how it is designed to be made. You just take a key, right? Just take a key in your hand. It is made with different kinds of metal. But there is no value to that metal until that metal has to go through a process. That metal is beaten. The metal is engraved. That metal is cut. The metal goes through a process. The metal goes through a lot of bruises and cuts and openings in different places. But the metal had to go through that so that when it fits into the right lock, it is meant to open those locks. Each one of us here, this is what I wanted to preach. Each one of us here, each one of us here, look for a problem around you. Look for a problem around you. You know why? Because sometimes it is you that God has made an answer for the problem around you. Do you understand it? It is you, the, the, the suffering that you had to go through, the struggle that you had to go through, the betrayal that you had to go through, the, the, the valley experiences that you had to go through. You had to go through that so that you can be an answer for somebody else. I want to share the story of Joseph with you. Joseph had to go through betrayal in his family. His father loved him. His brothers hated him. His, what, his father saw him as an answer. For example, his mother actually saw Joseph and, as an answer. Why do I say that? Because Joseph's life had to do with a lot of famines around. Joseph's mom was barren. And there was a literal famine in her womb that she could not conceive. But God's answer to her mom was in the answer of baby Joseph being born. Joseph's life had to do with so much famines. God had to prepare another famine in the land of Egypt so that this guy could be raised from the prison and become the prince of Egypt. Imagine this. And an Israelite guy and a guy from Israel is now the commander in chief of the land of Egypt. Somebody's problem. God changed his life to become an answer for the land of Egypt. Look for problems around you. Not to engulf that and make it a bigger problem, but so that you as a child of God will step into that problem and become an answer to somebody's life. Are you all with me, church? My prayer is, God, make me an answer. Make me an answer. Make me an answer. Each single person here. Yesterday, 
I was praying and I was in my, in my office room and I was around 1.30ish. I was praying about the scripture that the Lord has given. And Anisha was preparing for the Sunday school in our living room. And I could, as I was preparing, as I was preparing this message, the Lord spoke to me very clearly. Speak this life into the lifeless situation of some people. Step into those areas of problem where you wanted to run away. Actually, you wanted to run away from it. But you are assigned and designed in a way that your experiences of struggle will help and benefit somebody who is actually going through that struggle. Are you with me, church? Your life is a key to somebody's log. You are an answer that God has sent you today to become an answer to somebody's problem. Do not run away from it. Do not negotiate. Do not hinder them. But step in to that area because God has assigned you for a purpose. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The key, the key had to go through that process. The key had to go through that process. When you look into every key, your house key is different from my house key, thankfully, right? Everybody, we have different locking system. It's different. It's manufactured differently. But my key can open my houses. Bible says, he who holds the keys of the palace and the rooms of David's kingdom, Jesus himself, the door that he opens, no man can ever. Come on, help me church preach this today. I'm prophetically declaring over your life, the doors that he who opens, God who opens, no man, no power, no work of the demon can ever shut down what the Lord, come on, wants to open. And the doors that you lock, come on. There are some doors that you and me as an authority, in the authority of God, God has asked us to shut those doors. Shut it forever, not again. I stand at the gate as a watchman to my house. I stand at the gate as a watchman to the country that God has promised. And as long as I stand there, I want the devil to know this gate is occupied by a servant of God because I have a vision, a vision from the above that I have been designed. I have been designed to be an answer. I have been designed to be an answer. Each one of you, each one of you, that's all I'm going to preach. You got my message. Each one of you, you are an answer to somebody's problem. I am thankful that we have Pastor Matthew with us. He's the missions pastor at a church that he serves. I'm thankful for Brother Jijo and Sister Jesse, who are part of Malayali upbringing church. They attend North Place. Thank you for all that you're doing. I'm thankful for Sister Prady from our church. Not to mention, there are many others who go on mission trips from our church. Missionaries go out. I would say, you don't have to go out into the world, to South Africa, just all these places. There are places in our areas. You know, last week, uh, I was at the campus of UTD because uh, we do ministry there. And I was there, I was, um, I was, we were planning on doing, but somehow we couldn't do last Tuesday. As I was standing there, the group of children, as they were walking outside, my heart broke. My Josiah was sitting at my back. 
in the car and I told Josiah, he may be, he know, he's not understanding it. But I was telling Josiah, I pray that not for the riches of the world, I pray you will stand as an answer to the generation that I, as your father, I am presenting you. And I pray that will be the prayer of every single person in our church. You are an answer to somebody's problem. And I pray the children who are listening to me, your parents have paid a price, grandparents have paid a price, you will have to pay a price for a generation that is yet to come. You are an answer for them. God has placed you to be an answer to their life. And I pray, let's pray. Father, this is the church that you allowed me to pastor in the span of my life. But I pray, God, humbly we stand as one church. Help us, Lord, that we become an answer to somebody's problem. This week, as we walk outside, we recognize that in the shortcomings of our life, we couldn't have done it. It is just your grace. Thank you for helping us. In Jesus' matchless name we pray. Amen. 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 Pastor Matthew, would you come forward and help us? Thank you. Thank you. Can we actually receive the man of the Lord? Come on, put your hands together and let's greet him. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here with you this morning. Um, we are from Lansing, Michigan. It's slightly colder there. It snowed last night, believe it or not. So we're grateful to be here with you for the warmth of the weather and the warmth of the worship service. Thank you, for the Pastor, for a few minutes to share a few stories about what God is doing around the world. In many ways, what has been shared both in the Malayalam service as well as the English service is in line with what I feel the Lord has put on my heart. So we serve one God, whether it is the idea of a seed being planted from the Bible study right in the morning, whether it is that we are all on missions wherever we are, it is God who is orchestrating his work. I wanted, there was a couple of things that I felt the Lord asked me to say before I went through the story. And it was just to sense peace, speak a word of freedom to anyone who, when you hear the word missions or witness or evangelism, you get inside of you, oh my goodness, this is not for me. Lord, keep this from me. Just a sense of freedom for you. God will do his work. When you stay in step with the Lord, it will be full of joy and peace. So do not resist, do not be anxious, do not be fearful. God is doing a new work at this time. Just imagine, I mean, I was even thinking about Preeti as we were worshiping here. For somebody from our Malayali families to be a witness for Jesus in a North American New York University, God had to work through a couple of generations to bring the family here to the U.S. Another generation passes for Preeti to understand the culture, to understand the nuances, to understand the songs, to understand the lingo, and now she's on a university. That was God planning over multiple generations for his witness at New York University by one of our own people. Only God can write a story of that nature. God puts you, as Pastor said, even in your workplaces, to look for a problem, to look for a person that you could welcome, that you could share a cup of coffee with, that you could encourage, 
that you could ask the simple question, how can I pray for you? Nothing is impossible with our God. So whether we are in South Africa or a university in New York or in our workplaces, it is the same God who is working. Crossing cultures, using us, transforming us so that after our shaping, after our being made into a key, that we're able to do what he wants to do. So when we enter missions, we're just being witnesses to Jesus. We have only one story to say, and that's his story. Nothing about our story. Nothing about our family. Nothing about our height or our lowness. Nothing about our bank account or our degrees. It is about what Jesus has done and the assurance that Jesus can do something for you. Nothing is impossible in this world. Jesus is on a mission to push back the darkness. There is hope all around the world. I have stories in my back pocket from over 25 countries of God at work, not in small ways, but transforming cultures, taking people, giving them new starts. Amazing things are happening. To encourage you, there's one story I wanted to share this morning, maybe two if I'm fast. Two, so this is, I'm going to tell you the story in reverse. Okay, so it's going to be in reverse, slightly different. Two weeks ago in the BBC, there was an article, April 19th, about a particular situation in Ireland where in the last one year they discovered that in a particular city in Western Ireland called Chuam, unwed mothers who had kids used to come to this Catholic home. They could not go to their church because the Catholic church said, no premarital sex, you cannot have babies. When kids had home and say, help us out, this Catholic institution would take the girls in, deliver the baby, within a few weeks, send the mothers away, and that they would say, we will put the babies in foster care. That was the modus operandi. The article in the BBC in April 17 said, in the backyard of this Catholic institution, they found a graveside with about 800 babies in it. The entire town of Chuam is traumatized. What they thought was going to be life actually turned to death. What they thought that people were getting a second chance, there's an incredible amount of shame on that country, in, on that city, Chuam, in Western Ireland. Two years ago, the Lord, so I'm coming back in reverse. Two years ago, in 2015, the Lord put this city on the hearts of a church. That was an AG church in Galway, Ireland. This, this city, Chuam, does not have a single Protestant church, only Catholic. But two and a half years ago, God put on this church in Galway a burden to reach out and plant a church there. And for the last two years, they have been sending people just to prayer walk the city, to talk to different people, but they did not know any of this story. 
because this story was going to break only um, recently, but they were faithfully doing this. This AG church in Western Ireland is the only church in Western Ireland, AG or non-AG, that is even thinking of planting a church. So it's amazing the work of God that takes a little church and says, I want you to plant another church. It is not their lingo. It is not their DNA for them to replicate themselves. And they, on February 2020, they're going to have their first service. God was writing a story even before the news broke to bring hope to this place, to say in Jesus' name, there is hope, as dark as it is. The story in reverse again. Ten years ago, this church had only 20 members in its group. There were two. And by God's providence, God touched two people in our church not to be missionaries. And this is the point I was going to make, part of the point. Not to be missionaries, but to be friends of the pastor, to encourage the pastor, to walk alongside the pastor. And I remember one of the first questions the pastor asked, what is your agenda coming from North America? And they said, we have no agenda. The two people in our church, they work ordinary jobs, you know, Monday to Friday. They just said, the Lord has put a burden on our hearts to pray for you, to walk with you. Through their friendship, not preaching, not theological seminars, through their friendship and their advice, the right word from the Lord in the right moment, they were able to help this church grow from 20 people to today, this church is about 300 people in Galway. It is steady preparation. It is the largest church in Western Ireland today. 300 is big in Ireland. The interesting thing is it is absolutely multicultural. If you look at that church from the front, maybe 35% are Irish people. Another 30% are our brothers from Africa, our sisters from Africa, different parts of Africa. Then we have another few percent from Brazil and South America. And yes, about 10 to 15% are Indians, even three to four Malayali families as part of that group. An amazing multicultural church in Western Ireland. Only God could write a story. The energy, the passion, the the worship from, you know, the Africans take the worship level to a whole different level in that church. The excitement, the energy, the passion that's there. Um, the Indians know how to pray. You know, when they pray, it is different in that church from when an Irish person prays. God redeems and brings strength from different parts of the world to, together. And they have become a church of 300 that is ready to plant a church in Chuam in 2020, ready to say there is hope as an entire city engages with the shame and the shock of death in their own midst. Only God could write a story like that. The important thing is we each have a place in God's mission. Whether you go to Durban as missionaries, accountant and IT professional, 
God says, move, you have to go. The only choice when God speaks is yes. Scripture is full of enough evidence that if you say no, things tend to go a little difficult for you. So you might as well figure it out. Saying yes is the better option. People are moving to Durban. When Preeti says yes to the Lord, she goes to New York. Saying yes to the Lord does not mean that you have to be a missionary. Sometimes you are somebody who just prays for a pastor of a church and says, all I'm going to offer you is friendship. And God will give you what is necessary to strengthen the power, strengthen the hands of those who are serving. So even for the couple that's going to Durban, some of you, there will be a sense they may need money. Yes, you give money. But maybe the Lord is saying for, to some of you, pray with them, walk with them, know what the situation is going to be in Durban. Even for Preeti, praying for Preeti, how is she doing? Is she growing in her love for the Lord? Is she in a place where she is hearing from the Lord? Is she thriving as she fulfills? We can never allow our missionaries to feel alone. Commit. This is an amazing church. We have been coming here for 25 years. We have been coming to this gathering for 20, 25 years, and we have seen the blessing of the Lord using you. Don't look at the numbers here. Your influence, your impact is far more than what you see here. So continue to be faithful. The most important thing I believe as we follow Jesus is to say, Lord, speak to me. I want to hear. And God does not speak only about going to Africa or going to New York City University or going to India, God tells you about even how to order your day, who to speak to. Maybe that little niggling sin in you that needs a little bit of attention, where you have to be a gatekeeper and say, no more. It's done. God speaks. We are the only religion on planet Earth that says we, have a, we worship a God that speaks back to us. We're the only religion. And people out there are looking for authentic witnesses of people who say, my Jesus spoke to me, and I know him. I enjoy him. I experience him. He speaks, he walks, he lives today. So my encouragement as we all enter the next week is that you ask the Lord to speak. It's an amazing thing in Hebrews 11, and with that I'll wrap. Um, um, in Hebrews 11, there's a sense of the faith chapter, right? We know that. It's the faith chapter. But if you skip over the word faith, suppose you ignore the word faith and don't focus on that. If you read the chapter, it is all about all these people saw something. They saw something. And that is what kept them going. Noah saw something that, and he heard something. That's what kept him to build an ark. Moses saw something. And even in, in 1126, it says, for the sake of Christ. You know, that's a very interesting um, phrase there. For the sake of the Messiah. Moses then continued forward in what he believed he ought to do. The question for motivation for us is our own personal experience with Jesus. Hebrews 12 in the third or fourth verse says, fix your eyes on Jesus. It is not strategy. It is not plans, 
It is not education. It is not every, anything else. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He's all we need to move forward. And because of the witness of his bride, together, not alone, together, the world will know there are other options out there in being fully alive. So thank you for your prayers for us. We see ourselves as also as a part of this church in what we do and what we serve. We will have enough time in heaven to share all the stories, enough time in heaven to talk about all the goodness of what Jesus has done. But thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your prayers. Do not give up. Do not lose hope. Encourage the young ones. Let them fly. God has brought them to a place to do things even more than what we can think and dream um, because God has something amazing to do. Whether it's Romania, China, Lima, I could go down 25 to 30 countries. God is at work in amazing ways, writing a new story, only one story. And we have opportunities to be part of that story. Here and there, our names will come in. And I thank God that Zion will be part of that narrative. Be encouraged. Continue to be faithful. Thank you for the opportunity to share. Thank you. Thank you. Can we do it, we, can we do it better? Put our hands together once again. For a man who serves God and his kingdom and different church. But we pray that the Lord will continue to use and bless them. I have so, such deep respect to both of them, uh, husband and wife. Chechi is also here. But also um, uh, Pastor A.C. George. And my respect is because of Pastor A.C. George. Of course, for all that you do too. But still, uh, Pastor A.C., uh, you know, he was, he was my, my, my guru, my leader. And I look up to him. And he was here, I think, two years ago, minister in our church. Um, and just last week, uh, my brother was happy. He said, Achisha, uh, your wedding was solemnized with Pastor A.C. George. And uh, yesterday, he anointed me. Uh, and they have ordained me as a pastor uh, in Bangalore. So Pastor AC was used again in uh, Bangalore district, you know, in Settle District. They had a conference recently, and uh, he's now, he's 21, and they have ordained him. I'm like, okay, that's good. <laughs> God bless you. So I'm so happy for all that your family has been done. And, uh, you know, while I was watching live stream uh, in, uh, of the, the service, the conference that is happening in Bangalore, as Pastor Paul Tangier's church and uh, Pastor AC George was mentioning about the hardships and the struggles he had to endure while he started his journey at SABC campus. And I pray, and I know some of the things that we reap in our life is because of the painful situations that I have our, our parents had to go through, and we never forget that. May the Lord continue to bless each one of us in all God-given areas that God has placed us. Um, I'd like to call uh, Brother Jijo and Sister Jesse to come forward and help us know something more about the ministry that they are planning to do in Durban. Come forward, come forward. If you all want to come forward as a family, that'd be really good. We can all see your children too. Uh, come forward. <clears throat> and right after this, right after this, the English worship team will be on stage. We'll be taking an offering as, as we normally do. But also together as a church, and I will request you know, Pastor Matthew also to come forward. We will pray for this family as they are planning on going to South Africa. The reason why I share this is because we're going to take two minutes here. Um, last Thursday, Anisha and I, we had dinner with the, the presbyter of our area, uh, Pastor Tom McMahon. And as I was talking to him, he mentioned about another missionary family. And I know them personally because... Uh, while I was working at AGWM, they were under me and I was doing their finances and stuff and helping them. But what happened was they, they did all that, they raised all their finances and they went to Thailand. I don't know if you can figure out when I mentioned Thailand. But um, unfortunately, 
some issues happened and they had to return back immediately. He was, a, he was a pharmacist. He had a good job. House completely paid off, well-to-do, living peacefully in Richardson. Very beautiful house. The Lord asked them to sell. They looked nothing beyond. They sold the house and everything that they had and they went to, went to Thailand to minister. Something really bad happened in Thailand. We, something that we have to understand is any minister ministry that goes out to minister in a place, I want us church to know that we need to support them in prayer. We're not asking, I don't, they will definitely mention about the finance part of it. That comes secondary. Of course, that is important. Beyond that, I request that we stay together. No people that from your family who have gone out for missions, pray for them. Stand with them. At least once a week, if you can fast and pray, that will be really helpful. They are extended parts of our life in the mission field that the Lord has taken them. And this family had to come back immediately even without accomplishing what they had done. They raised a lot of finances because of spiritual attack that they had to go through. And the district is right now working with them, trying to help them, trying to help them in every area because he's lost his job, his house and everything. They're trying to settle this family after they have come back. And I am not putting them, not scaring you guys, but this is real field that you are walking into. But I assure that as long as from the time we have had dinner at our home, we have met you guys, we've been praying for your ministry and all the other missionaries that we know. And I assure that this is a church that loves you. This is a church that will pray for you. Please take this time and help us understand what, what you're planning to do. Here's Matthew and Timothy. They have something to say. You want to say something? Okay, stand right here. All right. Ready? Say it. Go ahead. Ooh, come on. Let's go. We're rough. We're tough. We got this stuff. We're young. We're bold, we're completely sold. I am telling the story that must be told. The task is great, the work is field. I'm going over, how about you? Come on, God bless you. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. They are very excited too, you know, and when God calls us, he calls them also. And um, my husband, Jijo, and um, myself, Jesse, and Matthew is our oldest son who's standing up here. He's eight years old. We also have uh, two children with the Lord already. Uh, David would be six this coming month and uh, another baby that we don't know if it was a boy or a girl, but um, then we had Timothy after those two losses, and Timothy has been a blessing to us and a joy, as you can see, um, always full of smiles and laughter and gives us the same, and you know, going through those things um, in our life helped us to get back on track with the Lord, and there is an intent and a purpose for everything that we go through, all the suffering that we face, any experience that we have, the Lord is using it for good, just like he did for Joseph. I want to remind you of a few verses that we had to lean on in order to come through some of the struggles that we went through as a couple. And you know, no, growing up in a Pentecostal pastor's home and knowing the word the way that I did and still really not grasping what these words mean um, is it, just, it 
burdens my heart, especially for our Malayali Indian children in this community. Um, for those of you that were standing up here and leading worship, if you are hearing my words, you are called for a certain purpose. And there is something important that God has tried to speak to you that sometimes that you're not hearing. And that is a word that the Lord spoke to me as I was standing back there and I was... Um, watching the worship happening here. You need to be able to hear the word of the Lord. And if you don't hear it now, he will take you through some suffering to help you to learn what that word of the Lord is and to take you into your ministry, to prepare your heart, to say yes, to be obedient to the Lord. Um, you know, how many of you here truly, truly believe that the word of God is true? That the Bible is true and inspired by God. Amen? So let me read that to you today. Ephesians 1 verse 4 says, God chose us in Jesus Christ before the foundations of the world. Psalm 139 verse 16 says, God's eyes saw us before our bodies were even formed. And all the days of our lives were written in his book before they ever came to be. Acts 17 verse 26 says God appointed when and where we would be born, where we would live, where we would move. So now let me share some facts of the world with you. India, China, and Africa make up more than half of the world's population. More than half of the world's population lives in three parts of the world, India, China, and Africa. However, less than 3% of Indians and Chinese are Christian. Less than 3% of Indians and Chinese are Christian. We, as American Asians here in the USA, are only 7% of the US population here. But the US is 75% Christian. 75% of the U.S. has heard the name of Jesus and believed that it's true. So let me ask you, with these statistics, why did God destine us to be born and live in Indian Christian families when only 3% of our Indian people are Christian? Why did God appoint us to be in those families? For me, why did God put me in a Pentecostal pastor's home? Why did God bring Indian and Chinese people to America to make up only 7% of the U.S. population and then also appoint them to be the most hardworking people, the most intelligent people, the most educated people, earning higher levels of income than most of the other people around us? Why? Why did God appoint us to be those people? In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16 to 17, it says, Make good use of every opportunity you have because the days are evil. Don't be unwise, but try to find out what the Lord's will is for you. Acts 17, 27 through 28 says, So that we would seek God and find that he is not far from us, but he is with us always because, why? We live move and exist in Jesus Christ. 
Galatians 2 verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Then the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. We are to bring Jesus to the world, to proclaim the gospel by our very lives in everything that we say and do in every breath that we take. Jijo and I have had many years of preparation and training here in the excuse me, U.S. for our family. And God has called us to accomplish a very important task in Durban, South Africa. Durban is a city much like Miami, Florida. So it is a high-traffic business center and a port city where the ships come in for business exchanges. There are three and a half million people in Durban, and it includes the most Indians in any city outside of India. So outside of India, there's no other city that has this many Indians. In fact, the British brought the Indians to Durban for their knowledge and business and service in order to serve them in progressing their businesses. Mahatma Gandhi first learned to fight for the rights of Indian people in South Africa for 20 years of his life and in Durban itself. And that's where we're going. We're going to Durban, South Africa. We're going to work in a Pentecostal church, an AG church, that was planted in the middle of Durban's business district. They started out, and these people did not want a church planted in the middle of the business district. Business people there in Durban did not want a church to come take their spot because it's a very lucrative, expensive place. But we can tell you many miraculous ways of how God actually prepared Jijo and I to go to this particular place, working in accounting and information technology, preparing us, educating in the way of business in order to reach business people and leaders in the country of Africa. If we can change the minds of leaders for the cause of Christ, we can change the whole country for the cause of Christ. Because as we go and we provide for the poor and we do everything for those who are downtrodden and underridden, these leaders come in, these influential people come in and undo what we do, like they're doing in China by breaking down the churches, destroying completely everything that was built for many, many years in Sri Lanka also. Around the world, this is happening. What we need to do is we need to reach those people who are doing the destruction. We need to reach those people and win them for the cause of Christ so that they will then be the next Gandhi to India to go reach the other 97% of Indians for the cause of Christ in the name of Jesus. I told you earlier about God sending a Hindu girl from Durban, South Africa, who is Indian, to be my friend 27 years ago. We've been friends for so many years. And she has told me about what Hindu life is like. She has told me about what Indians in Durban face. And God created us and prepared us in this specific way for over 30 years of our life to be able to minister there. Jicha is educated in medical school. He graduated with a degree in medicine. And why he had to take a job in information technology, we could never figure out. 
but the place, the building that our church finally found a place that they would allow them to worship in is surrounded on every side by call centers, by the call centers just like what Jitcha has been working in for so many years, even though he graduated with a degree in medicine. See, God moves us, and we think that it's something that's a weakness for us, but he will take those things that we think are weaknesses, and he will make them strength, and he will make them used for his name, his power, and his glory. Proverbs 69, 16 verse 9 says, we plan the way we want to live, but only God makes us live it. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, no one can try to understand what God has done from beginning to end. In the last year, over 100 people have accepted Jesus through the church that we're going to serve in. 60 have been baptized, and even today, there are more being baptized today. We'll find out the numbers after. And the church is nearing 200 people in attendance in one year. In one year. We are called to work among these people to equip this church, not only to reach Africa, but also send out missionaries to India, maybe to the U.S., China, wherever it may be, for the name of Jesus. Revelation 12, verse 11 says, We will overcome the accuser of the brethren by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, because we do not love our lives even unto death. No matter what we have to give up, no matter what we have to do, we are willing to go for God. Durban is a dangerous place. There are many riots and it's a costly place. It will cost us over $200,000 for us to move and live there for two years. And we need your help to meet our monthly needs. We do. And we are obeying God's calling, and we're saying yes to the Lord. And it requires your obedience as well for us to be able to go and do what we're doing. Prayer, like Pastor Justin said, is the most important part of what we need. And then, of course, finances. So your obedience in those two areas will establish the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. And then when we reach eternity, we will all together share for the harvest of souls, not just here in the U.S., but also in Durban, South Africa, and in China, and Sri Lanka, and everywhere where we pray and support financially, we will all reap the rewards with Christ in eternity.